All right, here we go. Hello, everyone. My name is Shane Twardoon, and just what you needed, another podcast. Um, but this one's different. And what I mean by that is it's uh, it's essentially a conversation that I'm having with one of my really good friends. Uh, I've known him for over half my life. I've known him for, what, 25 years? Um, uh, Ryan Hoban, who found out he has stage four cancer. And uh, we just have been talking weekly, and then it was his suggestion to record this and to share it. And so that's what this podcast is. It's a weekly check-in with him as he battles this thing. I mean, I can tell you just from just from today's talk, it's it's it is a roller coaster. You know, he's committed to 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 doing this, and we don't know how it's going to end. He's far from out of the woods. He's right in the thick of things, but he's an open book. He's the funniest guy I know. He's one of the smartest guys I know. He is a one of a kind. I mean, he's more than a friend. We, we've worked jobs together. We've done plays together. We've done movies together. We've written together. We did short stories. Um, We've been really close for a long time. And I just want to let you know that if you're squeamish about fluids or um failures of the body or chemo or cancer or anything like that then um well you're warned that's uh because we talk about that that's what this podcast is about and he doesn't leave anything out there's no like um uh hiding any of the details so thank you for for listening and i i guess most of you probably know ryan and if you don't know him and you're listening to this uh, on a recommendation. Well, congratulations! You're about to to meet one of the one of the most uh, unique, hilarious, intelligent, beautiful human beings uh, I have in my life. Uh, this was important to him, and I am just so fortunate to be the one that gets to talk to him. And we want to share this with everyone. So thank you. Please like and subscribe and uh, share with your friends. We're going to be putting out new episodes every week. So I'm just going to stop talking. We're just going to get into it. Thank you for being here. And uh, here we go. Welcome to the Shane and Hoban Podcast. Sponsored by Dr. Otker's Casa de Mama Canadian Classic Pizza. Here are your hosts, Shane Twardoon and Ryan Hoban. Hello, Ryan. Hi, how's it going? Pretty good. Uh, we've been talking with, over the last few weeks or months and getting updates on your condition um but we haven't talked for a few weeks here because we've been trying to do this record a podcast um so i want to hear how you're doing right now happy birthday by the way it's your birthday today yeah thanks so much yeah um i'm doing pretty good i i keep my spirits up i uh you know i had a blizzard i had a uh a score blizzard a couple of days ago that really really brought me around i've been noticing though that uh if you get a score blizzard i know this podcast is not supposed to be about score blizzards but it's been playing on my mind okay. if you go through the drive through and you get a score blizzard and i got my dad a, a sunday which is really out of character he just broke his femur a couple of days ago so that was interesting and uh, and i got my mom who just fell down the stairs the day after uh which is crazy i got her sunday but if you go through the drive through and the the rumors online are right the blizzard is super watery almost like a milkshake and all the pieces of the good stuff the chocolatey good stuff goes to the bottom and so i had to go home and put my my uh blizzard in the freezer and for like 45 minutes which is crazy because i kind of wanted the blizzard um, right away because that's kind of how it works with blizzards i think is you don't get them to mm -hmm. to you know eat them later but other than that yeah I'm, I'm staying positive i you know the blizzard stuff's on my mind constantly but uh <laughs> i'm doing pretty good i uh, i have a lot of meetings i take a lot of pills i'm i'm on some new new medication but i mean yeah i have cancer and it's it's stage four cancer and uh that's always kind of at the forefront of every 
every decision and every thought I have, but I find that I'm feeling pretty good. Okay, well, just before we get to that, so are you telling me that the blizzard's different in the drive-through than it is when you go to the like front desk? Yeah, it is totally. I don't think it's called hmm. the front desk though. I think uh, the counter maybe or or something. <laughs> it's been a minute. Can I get? Can I check into room three sixty-five and I'll take a large score blizzard, please? <laughs> um, um, they used to turn I, it upside down, and then you you know the spoon would stick in there. That was kind of the whole thing that that was I, blizzard. It, I agree. So here's the deal. I got a score blizzard. I, I love score blizzards. I got a score blizzard like a month before I went in. They turn that guy upside down. The spoon is not moving. The ice cream is not moving. So I think that what happens when you go through the drive-thru, you order it, they make it right away, and then it sits. It's like 35 degrees here anyway. It's like I'm in New Brunswick. It's, it's scalding hot mm. until 1 in the morning. So I think they they make it, they leave it, and then they give it to you all at once, and it sits around for a couple minutes, and that uh, uh, that couple of minutes really detracts away from the whole experience of the blizzard. So my new thing is I'm going to never go through the drive-through at McDonald's or at sorry at uh, Dairy Queen again because it's just too much drama, and I want my score blizzard right away. So yeah, they don't tip it upside. Excuse me, they don't tip it upside down when they give Wait. it to you. Maybe bring a cooler and then put it in your cooler and then so you drive home it doesn't get it doesn't melt anymore. Oh, I'm eating some of that thing while I'm driving. Oh, oh, I see. You oh, eat yeah, and drive. That's, I eat and drive. I mean, I just got my license, so I got to get it out of my system, right? I got to get that <laughs> the teenage inexperience out of my system. I'm eating and driving. I'm not buckling up. I'm on my phone nonstop. I'm just you know I'm getting the getting the irresponsibility out of my system so that you know in the future i will be a good driver i just got to get the bad habits out right yeah now. you got to do donuts and stuff and yeah exactly yeah yeah okay good well now that we have that out of the way so uh what type of cancer do you have so i've got a cancer it's got a huge huge name i don't even know how to pronounce it but i'm just gonna just tell you what it is it's uh okay. I've got a tumor that's in my colon that's about the size of a walnut. And then that spread to the uh, surrounding lymph nodes, which is not a huge deal. I mean, it's a huge deal because it's cancer, but um, it's spread to the lymph nodes. And usually they would be able to just get me into surgery and cut that stuff out and then go into chemo, make sure everything's okay. And then I'm, I'm fine. But it also, the lymph nodes is a great way for cancer to migrate throughout the body. It's a good way to travel. It's a system. Mm. And it's managed to um, form on my aorta, which is a major, um, which is a major vein in the body. Uh, and that carries the blood from the heart. And it kind of just carries the blood all over. So yeah. that that makes my cancer inoperable, which means that it's I can't get rid of it. So um but that's not a permanent thing and, and we'll get there but mm -hmm. so now i have the cancer of the lymph nodes that is on the aorta and if they do go in uh because of the size of it and where it's located they can't cut it out because if they even nick that giant vein um i would bleed to death and they wouldn't be able to stop it because right. because yeah Okay, so walk me back to the start. Like, what the hell happened? You're just like in a lot of pain, and you're like, I got to go to the doctor. And then that's how this whole thing started. Or what was the first sort of like symptoms that, even before you knew that you had cancer, what was going on? Well, I'm I, I we're I was in Vancouver at the time. I recently moved across the country, mm -hmm. as you know. So I'm in New Brunswick now, which is where I was born. But I was just in Vancouver, and it was the summertime, and. And I'm a teacher, so I was just, you know, it's summertime teaching. We're having drinks in the afternoon, and we're doing whatever. And so I, I started noticing that, uh, well, I went out one night and and with a bunch of people. And then the next morning, I woke up, I was very hungover. And I, I said, God, I need, I need some root beer or something to just kind of fix my attitude. So I went to the Bilo, which you you know quite well, the Bilo mm -hmm. by, in Vancouver. Hell of a stop. It's in the Kingsgate Mall. I suggest the Kingsgate Mall. They're not a sponsor of the podcast, but go to the Kingsgate Mall. It's got everything you need. Um, anyway, uh, so I go and I, I buy this uh, Boylan's. I'm going to say their name because they weren't very, very, very nice to me. The Boylan's people, Boylan's Soda out of New York mm -hmm. City. I buy a uh, a root beer and they're not the best root beer, but it just, I just needed it. And uh, I bought a few things for supper and I, I walk home and I, I open my root beer and I have a big chug of it and it 
and I notice that there's something in my mouth. Mm. And and I'm like, what is going on? And so I spit it out, and it's the rim, a razor sharp rim of another bottle of oh. oil and soda, not my own. So my own uh, lid rim was, was still intact, on. Was still on. Mm. So I was like, holy shit, man! And I drank, and that was like half the bottle I chugged. And so I race home, and then I'm I'm starting to get paranoid. I use the washroom. And all of a sudden, um, and there's just just to set everybody straight here, there's going to be some poop talk on this podcast. There's going to be some details of my poops. So just to let everybody know. That, Good disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. Just disclaimer. So I, I have a poop and like you do when you're kind of hung over, but it just felt weird. It felt strange and it looked weird. It was very thin like spaghetti. Okay. I know that's gross. So I'm tripping. I'm like, oh my God, I emailed Boylan's. I'm, I'm emailing the doctor. It's impossible to get a doctor's appointment anywhere in Canada. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I'm stressing. And I notice it's a bit red and off coloring. And mm-hmm. so over the course of like the rest of the summer, because that was like in the start of July, maybe by August, I was going to the bathroom and having actual poops 10 to 15 times a day. And actual poops and they were all all very skinny like they were having trouble coming out and i couldn't go did to dinner without using the washroom like three or four times so it was so what what's a normal amount before this like three to four times a day or something i've always been a great pooper i've always pooped three to four times a day and so when things change in that area yeah you know it gets it's like the uh you know it just stresses me out because i know something's off so i'm okay though i'm just i'm just dealing with i'm like okay well you know what i'm 46 years old maybe that's just what the future holds maybe that's just how i poop now i'm old Mm -hmm. so i keep on you know just trucking and doing my thing and having probably drinking a little too much because it's summertime and eating whatever i want Mm -hmm. and and full disclaimer i've eaten everything i've wanted no matter what my entire life so like i'm like two i was at that time i was about 250 pounds Okay. And and mostly like gut weight. So mm. sorry, just having a drink of water. So yeah. I'm preparing for the drive across Canada. My brother's flying out. We're packing all my stuff into my uh into my two-door Honda Civic and and I getting rid of everything. It's a stressful time. So I'm thinking, you know what? Hey, it's a stressful time. Maybe that's why I'm kind of feeling a bit funky. Um, I'm in a relationship that um, we're trying to figure out what that's going to look like because she's staying in Vancouver. So, you know, I had some stress. Lots of stress, for sure. Lo- high, very high stress. And so you've lived in Vancouver the whole time I've known you, right? So you've this is like you, you've been in Vancouver for what, 20, 25 years? Yeah, I was in Vancouver for 20, 23 years. That's where and we met my first year in Vancouver at, right. at the film school. Mm-hmm. And so this is a big move for me. I would always summer in New Brunswick because that's where my whole family's from. My brother, my sister, nieces, nephews. And I have a great relationship with my friends. And so because I keep in touch and I go at Christmas time. So I have Fredericton was always Fredericton, New Brunswick was always my plan to kind of finish my finish my life out I guess which sounds very funny to say now <laughs> but uh, you know that was my plan because it's cheap to buy a house so I bought a house sight unseen a nice little mini home and and you know it was, it was a stressful time so we make it across Canada and I can't believe I made it across Canada because I'm still pooping like maximum amount so like gas stations McDonald's is anything I could get my hands on I'm using the washroom in. And so finally, I'm still feeling funky, but that's okay. I get back to New Brunswick. I start my new job. I start teaching in New Brunswick. Everything's okay. But I just noticed that I'm getting these very sharp, intense pains. Maybe once every five or six hours, I'll have an intense pain in my gut. Mm. But they're so intense that I go I go down. I fall on my knees. Like I fall oh. on my knees and be like, fuck and like scream as loud as I can so the neighbors are obviously thinking I'm a complete madman yeah. because they hear all this screaming it's the the house has been filled with people coming and going friends of families and I'm not there they're loading stuff in so they think it, there's something going on also the cops came to arrest the uh the, the my first night in my home the cops came to arrest the, the past owner why well I don't know why I don't know his name is Miguel something and he was wanted by the cops so like I get out there, the cops are there, every neighbor's looking at me. I just moved in. It's my I haven't even spent the first night there. You're falling to your knees screaming fuck. 
I'm falling to my knees screaming, fuck. They don't know what's going on. There's some fat bearded guy coming in here with a, <laughs> they don't know what's happening. So, and I'll get to the shootings later. There was a shooting that happened like a while later, but we'll get to the shooting. Um, so anyway, um, I'm getting these huge pains mm-hmm. and they're, they're really, they're, you ever have a pain where like you really need to pass gas and you get this sharp pain and then you pass gas and it goes away. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I used to get that after eating apples for some yeah, reason. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I would get them after eating. Like, uh, I would get them after vegetables usually. I'd, hmm. uh, and I don't so, think I chewed my food enough and it was just like going down to big chunks and yeah. Air, apparently air too, when you're eating really fast. Oh, like, get, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're eating a donair and no one's around, do you just really go for it? Like, yeah, I you think inhale that, it. Yeah. So uh, I was, which is also funny to say is that that is going to be my birthday meal is I'm getting a, uh, I'm going to have a donair for the first time in months because I had to, oh, st- nice. I had to, st- I know I had to stop eating meat. Um, as part of my treatment i had to stop eating mostly meat right uh anyway so i'm stressing about this pain but i can work through it but then um my girlfriend uh, she comes and she stays with me for a month and i i really gotta give her a shout out because i i believe in my heart and we have a tumultuous relationship sometimes she you know but i love her um but she saved my life and Mm. and she forced me to take steps that as an irresponsible idiot adult i never would have done so the sharp pains all of a sudden it went from once every six hours or maybe once a day it's it's on the hour it's every 20 it's it's every 15 20 minutes and they don't go away how long, so they, they they don't just last for 10 seconds and go no. away or you fart or whatever they're just constant they're constant Ugh. and they don't go away and oh, so dude. i'm just gonna pause for a second and drink some water yeah Okay, so now you've got these pains and they're just constant and, and they're so like now, crippling. Yeah. Crippling pain Oof. and they happen during class time. They oh. happen during lunchtime. They happen in the night. And so I'm in debilitating fear of, of having them. They happen while I drive. And so I had a really bad one where I started crying. I couldn't breathe. It hurt so bad. I was I fell to the ground and Kristen was like, we're you're making a doctor's appointment oh because you have to make a doctor's appointment in new brunswick Uh, you have to go through what's called maple unless you're it's it's an emergency you have to go through maple and it's an online thing i've used it so yeah it's and it's kind of good it streamlines and so i was talking to a nurse and she said this and that and and finally the nurse said okay listen i want you to go and get an appointment i'm gonna and which is really hard to get i got an appointment at a walk-in but an appointment so i go to the doctor there's no doctor. It's all nurses. And they're checking around. They're poking. They're prodding. They're doing some tests. And, and they said, okay, well, I think that you you might have celiac disease mm. or you're lactose intolerant. And so I said, okay. So I cut out all milk products. I cut out all celiac. I wasn't eating wheat. I wasn't. I was being very good. And also I started going to the gym three or four times a week. So I'm losing weight. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. But I'm not eating a ton. Like I'm, I'm eating, but I'm just like I have an appetite. But I'm just kind of trying to get in better shape, just because I know I'm not doing so hot. Okay. The pain keeps coming, and it keeps getting worse. And sometimes it lasts up to like two hours of, of chronic pain. Ugh. And they said, I, I, "Yeah, they said take a leave." And so I'm like, "Okay, I'm down on a leave. I'm considering trying to find hard drugs. Like I'm getting to a panicky point." Um. So they make me two more appointments. They say, okay, it's not, it's not celiac. We give you a blood. I went to get my blood tested. They gave me like 20 needles, not even joking. They tested me for celiac. It's not celiac. Everybody, everything's coming back negative. So they think that I have Crohn's disease, which I'm not hundred percent sure what it is. I know I knew a girl that had it in high school and she couldn't eat anything. Yeah. My but, aunt has it. And uh, yeah. So they think I have Crohn's. Right. So they say, you know what? I think I'm pushing them the whole time. I'm like, listen, I need a colonoscopy. I'm not feeling right in that area. My plumbing's all screwed up. At least give me a colonoscopy. And they said, okay, we'll give you a colonoscopy. And I straight up asked the nurse, I said, listen, are we talking anything big here? Is this cancer? And to the nurse, God bless her heart. She said, no, it's not cancer. You have none of the None of the symptoms for any sort of cancer down there. We think that it's something that's that's not cancerous, and we're sure of it. And I said, "You promise?" I made her pinky swear me. She pinky swore me, and uh, later on, she apologized for that. Okay, and wait I a thought, minute. Hang on a second. So you 
you get this, you have all this fear, you go get checked out. She says, it's definitely not cancer. So you, you yeah. take that off the shelf and go like, okay, it's something else we can figure it out, but it's not the big. The it's big not one. the big C. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, awesome. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I'm feeling great. I'm okay. I can deal with Celia. I'll change my diet. I'll change this. What I can't deal with is, is having a diagnosis of cancer just because I'm fucking a young guy, even though I'm an old guy, I'm a young guy. And yeah. And so, um, and so she goes, okay, we got you an appointment right away for colonoscopy. And I said, okay, wonderful. So I go in, I, I, what they say about colonoscopy is true. The preparation for a colonoscopy is the absolute worst. It's way worse than a colonoscopy. What's the preparation? It's drinking this fluid that you have to drink four liters of, and it flushes your body completely. Mm. And so I was literally pooping water. I get up. I wouldn't even bother wiping my bum because by the time I would get to my couch, I would go back and do it again really? all night long for 36 hours. Yeah, that sounds awful. And, and also the taste. They say it's, it's supposed to taste like grape juice. It was like drinking, I don't like pure, like a fluid that you put in your car, like a purple fluid you put in your car, yeah. but, but four liters of it. Oh my God. So like my guts pressed out, I'm forcing myself to drink this stuff and it's coming right out. And I must've had the cleanest colon in New Brunswick for the most part, because it was wild. So I get to the colonoscopy and they sedate you because they got to jam the camera way up there. So. I'm not good with sedation. I really get nervous that I'm going to like, uh, you remember the Metallica video one? Yep. Oh yeah. I get super, that video freaked me out when I was a kid. You know, the guy can't move. He can't, th all he can do is think he can't move. He's got no arms or legs and shit. Can't see. Yeah. Oh, can't man. see. I can't hear. Mm -hmm. So I'm just paranoid that I'm going to turn into that one guy and be awake for the whole process. But yeah, I'm just freaked out. It freaks totally. me out. For sure. Yeah. So I get in there and the doctor, she's pretty nice. She's pretty curt. Um, and uh, and that's okay. I don't care if you're Kurt as long as you just do your job. So this is supposed to take about half an hour. So I'm I'm drugged up. They gave me fentanyl, which was pretty sweet. I'll have to say I can understand why people are kind of getting into that these days. It's uh, it they gave me fentanyl and I chilled right at. I was like, I don't care if I'm the guy from one man. Just do whatever you got to do. Oh, wow. Keep the fentanyl coming. And huh. then they and then they so they gave me fentanyl to chill out. And then they gave me my they froze my lower half. And so they're digging around in there and there's a little bit of pain and I, and I can see the scope. They have it on a big TV and I just it's like, ah, I don't want to see the inside of that. That's seen a lot of, seen a lot of damage. I don't need that. So five minutes later, they're done. And I was like, geez, that was quick. So I was like, okay. So she pulls out, they clean me up. I'm sitting in the recovery room and I'm chilling. I'm noticing that there's a lot of whispering going on. Okay. And no so they know right away. You think? Yeah, they knew right away, but they weren't, they were whispering and none of the nurses were making eye contact with you, and, with me. And I was begging for eye contact because I was looking around. And so about 10 minutes later, the, the colonoscopy person, nurse or doctor, the gastroenterologist, it's a hard word to say, she comes up to me and she said, uh, how you doing, Mr. Hoban? I said, I'm doing pretty good. How did, how did everything go? I, that was really quick. And she goes, yeah, we had to stop really early. And I said, uh, okay, well, why just stop? And she said, you have a, you have a cancerous growth in your, no, she said, you have a, you have a growth in your colon. Okay. I said, oh, I said, okay. Well, what does that mean? She goes, you have colon cancer. So that's and the first I, time you heard the word. That's the first time I heard the word. And I said, pardon me. And oh. she said, you have colon cancer. It's, it's a large tumor. And, uh, and that's all I can tell you. And I said, well, what do I do? She said, someone will be in touch. And she left. I never saw her again. And then two minutes later, I was in the car with my mom on her birthday. Uh, and the birthday party is the next day. We're having a huge party for her, telling my mom, hey, mom, I have colon cancer. I don't know any more information. Uh, and I'm fucking weeping. She's weeping. We don't know what to do. No one's given me any information. Uh, so I drive home and uh and we get into the pull into the yard and my dad was a little worried. He comes outside and he, he gave me the thumbs up and I, all I could do was give him the no field goal, no good sign. Yep. <laughs> I looked at him. I gave him the field goal, no good. 
Yeah. And he gave me a weird look and I came up. And my dad's the kind of dad that he doesn't show his emotion. He, he's not an I love you son kind of guy. He's a, he's a great man. He does everything for you. But his he shows his love different ways. I, I got you. I know exactly like, what you're talking about. Yeah. Like most dads of that generation, the 50s mm -hmm. dad. And so I hugged him. I said, Dad, I, I have cancer and I don't know what else to do or what else to say. And he said, I love you and hugged me. And, and it was a big deal. And then I had, and then of course I had to fucking tell my family and, and everything else I told just a straight up family. And then we had to plan the big, we had a big dinner and then we had a huge party with 50, 50 of our friends and family for my mom's 70th birthday it was the next day. Yeah. Wow. So we host this big party. I'm faking it. I'm pretending everything's fine. A lot of people, I just moved to town. So a lot of people haven't seen me. So I'm cracking jokes. I'm just also sucking back the whiskey. Like the, I'm sucking back Jameson. And then every like half an hour, I go upstairs to my old childhood bedroom and have a fucking big cry. And my sister and my, and my sister and I would come up and, you know, talk me down. And, and so that was the darkest two weeks of my life because no one told me anything yeah I, I can relate to that being so scary because you wouldn't know like i would just want to have a plan or know what what's going on but to get that diagnosis the person walks out of the room out of your yeah. life forever and you're just like left to deal with your emotions there's no like person to help talk you through it oh my god man that is harsh I uh, I couldn't believe it, and I uh, so I was making this is going to sound crazy, but I was making end of life plans, like I was like organizing my stuff, and and I was talking to the bank about like where my my property was going to go, and I was thinking about kind of you know making a playlist for my fucking funeral, like yeah. I was it was in, it was the darkest I could go. Uh, I wasn't thinking of harming myself or anything. I just thought I, I was thinking I probably have about six months to a year to live. And did I you know saw... it was stage four at this point or did you know no, anything? I didn't know anything. And so I, uh, I still tried. I still worked. I said, you know what? I'm still going to work. Um, I'm on these meds that are taking away the pain. They gave me uh, the Lauded's, um, which is a, the brand name for um, hydromorphine. And so they gave me a, a hydromorphine and it, all it did was really take a bit of the pain away. I was still in chronic pain. And, uh, and so uh, my knee or my, my, um, my sister-in-law, she is a CT scan nurse at the same hospital. So she snuck me in to the top. She bumped me to the top of the line so I could get my CT scan nice. instead of what, instead of waiting six, six weeks, I waited two weeks. And That's so great. after, yeah, so she got me to this, I, and then there's a five day waiting period to get read. So I go in, I get my CT scan, and then she also bumps me to the top of the reading list, but it's not a doctor who, it's not a CT doctor that read it. It was her friend doctor who was just available. So I go in and I get my CT results and the doctor who read it, God bless him, such a nice man. Before he says anything, he says, okay, how's your mental health? I said, bad, very poor. He gets me on Zoloft, which was awesome. I'm still okay. on it. it. It really has helped me. Then he's like, how's your day-to-day -day anxiety? I'm like, terrible. He's like, here's Ativan. Take it as needed. This will help. How's your pain? Terrible. We're going to up your dosage. So he just prescribed me a shitload of drugs. Thank God. And then he read my CT scan. And he was like, okay, I've got some really good news. It hasn't spread. It's stage two because it's in the it's in your lymph nodes. You're, we're gonna just we're gonna get you in for surgery right away, and you're gonna be good. Everything's fine. Don't stress. You're not gonna die from this. I said, okay, that's amazing. He said, I'm making you an appointment with the surgeon right now. So a couple of days later, I go to meet the surgeon, and she's cold. The surgeon is a is I, I she's a very cold woman. She she didn't pull any punches. I got in, and she said, uh, okay. So what do you know? And I told her what I knew. And she said, that's wrong. Whoever read you the CT scan was wrong. Uh, oh. You have stage four, you have stage four cancer and it's inoperable. Oh my God, man. Oh and, and my she, God. And she, yeah. And she spit it out just like that. And so of course I fucking break down. I'm like, well, give me a, I said to her, throw me a bone. Yeah. Like, can you get any more bad news? Holy yeah, shit. Like, help me here. Throw me a bone. And she said, I can't give you any false hope. I refuse to this is bad. Um, we cannot operate because it's moved into your aorta. 
It's inoperable. We are not talking surgery. If there is a possibility of surgery, it will be very far down the line. So we're going to, we're going to send you up to the hospital and you're going to, and that doctor will be in touch with you and we're going to start you on chemo. And I said, okay. And so then I went back to my, uh, then I just went to oncology and I met up with, uh, I went for my pre, you know, you have to go have a pre-meeting before you start your chemo. And so I go to oncology and one of my best friends, she is my oncology nurse. And so she bumps me. So I've been getting lots of inner support. It's, it's totally probably illegal. I don't know. That's why I'm not mentioning their names. But uh, I've been getting lots of help from my friends at work in the system. And yeah. I know it's not fair. I know it's not right. But when my my life is on the line, I'm willing to take these extra helping hands. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I get into the oncology and the oncologist comes out and she's younger than me. She's cuter than me. And she's just a nice woman. And she says, okay, um, we're going to beat this. You're going to fight it. And your job is to stay positive. Do what I tell you. We have a plan A. We have a plan B. We have a plan C. And we even have a plan D, worst case scenario. But we're oh not talking. I love this person already. This, this woman, I cried and I hugged her and said, you have just taken the burden off my shoulders yeah and you've helped me so much just by you saying that you have a plan for me oh my god yep yep and she said we're starting on chemo this is not you got cancer it's spread it's inoperable right now my job is to make this cancer operable and get that out of you we're not going to get you into surgery to get rid of your tumor or anything else because it's a waste of time and time is of the essence so she said we're giving you 15 sessions of chemo which is the longest amount of chemo you can get and so that turned out to be it's 30 weeks of chemo i'm getting um and so she said we're going to start you right away we're starting you in two weeks so get prepared she read me a booklet uh of side effects which i have many of but she just said basically if you are negative and you have a bad attitude and you are moping around and you don't do anything and you don't walk around and you don't see people the chances of you beating this are very slim wow but wow. she said it's 50 50 mental if you think that hmm. you're going to kick, kick this thing's ass and you do you part you do your part we're going to do the doctoring part and we're going to make this happen it's going to be hard you're going to be on a lot of harsh medications um and you're going to get a lot of side effects but your job is to stay positive and to do it and so i've kept my bargain and uh i've been staying as positive as i can and so basically she just, that was her job and she's, and she's doing a great job. And, uh, and so every two weeks I go to the, to the hospital, a Dr. Everett Chalmers hospital in Fredericton, uh, I go four days, uh, four days every two weeks. And that's, I get my, my blood test done. I get a checkup. I get uh, my chemo, which is pretty crazy because I go in and I get six different bags of fluid, five to six, five to six bags of fluid pumped into me over a five to six hour period where I'm just chilling in this zone with a bunch of other people that are getting the same treatment. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, and then they give me a bag, which is attached to what's called a port um, in my chest. So I have a port. You remember Dune? The, you remember the original Dune was staying in all those guys? Yeah. You know, the blood port, the heart port where they, if they pull it out, all the blood kind of pours out of their body. Yes. I, it's so gross. I have one of those right where that is. And what they do is they attach all my medication through that port that goes directly into my neck vein. So I have like a piece of plastic port that's under my skin. Does it come out ever? Like after? I, uh, I No, it doesn't come out. It's The skin is grown up around it. So you can't see it. So they just put this big needle and it's about maybe four, three centimeters long. That big needle, I don't even feel it. It goes directly into a piece of plastic that feeds into my, that big neck vein, the jugular. Yeah, yeah. And that's how all my medication is given to me through chemo. Not that doesn't include the pills. And then I have a bag on with medication that slowly gives me more chemo over two days. And then I'm back to the hospital Friday to get that pulled out. And then, uh, and then I have a few good days and then I get incredibly ill, but that's, okay, I want to just, uh, I just want to stop here for a break. We can get some water and just take a, take a pee break, but I want to come back and talk to you about chemo. Cause I have a ton of questions about that. Are, are you okay with that? 
Yeah, totally cool. Um, so are we going to stop recording? Because I think we're almost out of time. Yeah. Okay, so we can talk for 15. Yeah, we got whatever. 15. Okay, or whatever. I'm, I'm pretty pretty loose. I, I just like, my parents fucking did, uh, they, there's so much drama and I'm living with my parents right now. So it's like that their fucking washer and dryer broke. And that's how my mom hurt herself was trying to go downstairs. So I'm doing all their laundry at my place. It's just like, <laughs> it, it's, it's living at my parents' place. And I, I've started taking Saturdays and going and spending the night at my place and just watching CFL football and gambling and fucking eating food and napping. And it's like, I'm just, I'm taking a break once a week because you need my, a break once a week. And oh my God. But they're, they save my ass. So like they're, they're, they do so much for me, even though they're both banged up. It's like, it's crazy. So dad fell and then mom fell the day after. Yeah. Dad, no, that, that story with my dad's crazy, man. Like uh, maybe I'll get into it like later on, but he ended like he, we have our cottage and there's no phones or anything. We finally bought him a cell phone because he broke his last one. And uh, like two weeks ago, but he ended up falling, taking a piss drunk by himself outside off the balcony. He fell on his knee that he just got plastic operated on. Fell back, the knee gave out, he broke his femur and he was fucking on, outside dragging himself around for 16 hours. Oh! Yeah, until until finally, uh, finally the the neighbors uh he got he he crawled inside, pulled off the fucking the the thing off the dining room table, like pulled off the the little chamois that moms put on tables. Yep. And the cell phone happened to be there, and it landed right in his hand, and he fucking called us and was like, "I'm in trouble, help me!" And then we got the ambulance and we drove out there and it was fucking crazy. His knee was the size of like a fucking watermelon. And he was in so much pain. Then he got rushed in. He was in the hospital for six days. The day before uh, he gets out, mom falls down the stairs. And then we have a family vacation where we booked two fucking cottages at the Bay of Funday the next day. It's and good that we uh, don't have anything to talk about here. Um, oh my this, God. Your life is insane. I feel like it's just me going, Ooh, ah, I know oh. it's crazy. This stuff that's been going on. Um, anyway, Anyways. let's talk. We'll get into, I can get into that story later in more detail. Cause it's pretty funny and crazy. Wait, well, that'd be just a little teaser. Maybe we'll leave that in there. Well, we can yeah. decide, but yeah, um, totally. Let's talk for another 10, 15 here, just about the chemo because, sure. uh, so is it as bad as, is it, as I hear, like, is it just like, it just radiates your body and then you're just basically losing weight and hair and everything. Is that what's happening? Well, because I have a certain kind of chemo, um, my hair just thins. So my hair is crazy anyway. And, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. I have, I shave now instead of shaving, like my little area that I shave, like, uh, trimming my beard. I never do because it's stunted. It's not growing and it's, my hair is thinning but I still have like big curly locks going everywhere. So it's like the chemo that I have, it's usually women with um, that have metastatic uh, breast cancer that get radiation, they lose their hair. So my hair is fine. Hmm. Um, it's not, I'm getting no radiation. I this see. is all, all chemicals, which is good because it means I don't have to drive. Like my friend, she just got diagnosed with uh, like a, a couple of days after me, she got diagnosed with breast cancer. And then like a week later, she had to get both her breasts removed and she has to get uh, chemo and radiation and she lost her hair. And, and the only thing she didn't lose is her awesome mentality. And she, I'm so proud of her. She's a new friend and she's just like a wonderful human that, that is rolling with the punches. Man, she got and, punched hard. She lost, she got, found out she had it. Then she got both breasts removed and this was all within a week. Yeah, all within a week. Yeah. And uh and she found a lump and the doctors did thought it was something else. And then she found another lump and the doctors thought it was something else and would, would refuse to give her a mammogram for some reason. I, I mean, I don't want to be disparaging from these doctors, but it seems like they're messing up a lot. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of the 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 system needs an overhaul and it's been chronically underfunded for dozens of years. So yeah. And now we're paying for it. So finally, she went in and said, give me a mammogram now. And they said, OK, OK, enough. They knew that they couldn't put it off anymore because she was going to go crazy. And they just said, oh, my God, we got to get you in the hospital right away. And then, you know, she so she went from zero to 60 
in like, you know, five seconds. Whereas I had the slow burn. Which um, is kind of worse. Yeah, I'm not sure. I believe that I've had this cancer in my body for probably five or six years because that's kind of how long it takes for a tumor to grow. It really takes a long time. So yeah. if you go and get my advice to all all my friends out there, especially men that are of our age, mm -hmm. get a colonoscopy because even if you don't feel it, I could have, if these were just polyps, they could have nipped this in the bud and I wouldn't be sitting here dreading going to get frigging chemo on Wednesday. Um, but that's just kind of no solid advice. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, so chemo, basically I go into the hospital and the first time I went in, it was, I was really nervous. I didn't know what it was going to look like, what it was going to feel like. And there was this dude walking around with the chemo on a, on a, on a, uh, you, you can walk around if you want and go to like the, bathroom. the rolling, the rolling yeah, rack thing, the rolling rack. And he's like cracking jokes. He's this, this uh, Brazilian dude and he's chatting with everybody and he's, he's doing a stand-up routine. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to be as far away from this dude as possible. I can't be around him. He's too much. It's the, the positivity is too crazy. I'm positive, but this is nuts. And he's laughing. He's like, Martha, how are you doing today? How's that chemo going? I bet you're just having a, like just anybody here from Doketown? Anybody here from Boystown? Like just doing a routine. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. So I said to the first nurse that I saw, I said, I need to be far away from that man. Can you give me an area that I can just go to? And they said, we have the perfect area. They were laughing, of course, because they knew I was like, I'm a rookie. Yeah. So they set me up in this private area. They gave me ginger ale, turkey sandwiches. I had my laptop on. I watched The Fly and I watched uh, Degrassi Junior High Schools out on my laptop. I had my feet up. I had a warm blanket. I had people checking on me. And I'm there for six hours lounging in an air-conditioned room on my own, just only dealing with nurses or volunteers, no crazies. And it was just a slick process. So it's like I, all my anxiety and fear of, of getting chemo went out the door as soon as I got cuddled up into this super comfy chair. Hmm. And so that was pretty sweet. Like I'm there for about four to six hours. They're changing bags. I'm not in any pain there. It's just there's so much fluid going into my body that I have to take a lot of whizzes. Mm -hmm. And it's a pain in the ass to take a whiz because you got to kind of maneuver all these bags and wires and stuff mm -hmm. like that. You're not going um, into bedpan. No, I'm not going into bedpan. Right. And so, um, but the good news, you know, is that it's, it's, it's relatively painless. It just takes a long time. And then for two days after I have this bottle attached to me, which means I can't shower and I can't go to the lake or anything. And I, I which is, they're fairly trite complaints, you know, like I can't mm -hmm. go to the lake. Oh no, I can't go to the lake for two days or I have to wash myself with a rag. Oh, boo hoo. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not too bad. Um, but it's the side effects that are, are very gnarly, uh, gnarly side effects. And when do they start the day after? Well, here's the thing. Because, uh, I have what's called late onset nausea syndrome as well, which I didn't know was a thing, but most people get really, really sick when the chemicals enter their body. I get really, really sick when they leave my body. Oh. So my, I get my, my final chemo bag comes out on that Friday and that's the bag that I carry around with me and I have to sleep funny and stuff. That's the little bag that's attached to me and goes directly into my port. Um, once that comes out, I usually around Sunday, I get violently ill for four days. And that's, I can't keep down water. I can't keep down my boost, which I'm supposed to drink every day. This is for um, four days? For four days straight of oh, like const constantly rubbing my stomach yep. and puking nonstop. Like, like I'll just, I'll run down, I'll ba barely make it to the bathroom to puke uh, and chronic diarrhea or chronic constipation. And so... For the first five or six sessions of chemo, that was extremely, extremely gnarly. And those aren't even the side effects. That's just the, the chemicals leaving my body. These are major, major chemicals. And I don't know what they are, um, but they're, they're deadly to humans. Like it's, it's, there's, there's like crossbones on my bottles and stuff. Right. Because that's how you kill the, the, the tumor. Right. Exactly. That's okay. how you kill. I got to kill the body to kill the to kill the cancer. So I can't when I'm when I go to the cottage and I want to pee outside, 
I can't pee outside. I've got to double flush the toilet because if there's any splashback, it'll burn someone. Um, if uh, if uh, an animal comes and sniffs and licks where I pee, then we'll kill the animal outside. So I've got to be. Uh, that is crazy. I had no idea. It was like literally toxic when it comes out. It, literally toxic chemicals leaving my body. Um, but the but the chemo is just like for me, it's just another another part of this I get and the nurses are so nice they're so cute they know me they swear with me they tell me about their weekend my 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 best friend she's she's my nurse she comes and checks on me there is a woman up there that does all my paperwork for me that it, she works she's a psych um she's a cancer social worker who may be the kindest woman I've ever met in my life who she does she got me my EI? I'm so I'm getting coverage from the government. I'm on medical leave EI. She got me all this funding. She got my I have a good health care, but she also got like bonus coverage for my needles. I have to take a needle every day now because one of the uh side effects is, and this is the worst side effect I've had, is I have blood clots now up and down my my left leg. So I I'm I'm fairly immobile, like um. I uh, I get pushed around in a wheelchair when I have to go to the hospital for my meetings because if I walk for more than two or three minutes, my left leg blows up to like three times the size and turns purple, and then I puke and pass out. So <laughs> sorry for laughing, dude. That's oh yeah, it's it's gnarly. Is this so, stuff going to? Is this all complications from the chemo? Like that's going to go yeah. away when you're done. They said that most of it is going to go away um, there. I have to take an inject. Have you ever given yourself a fucking needle before? No, it sucks so hard, like because you push it in and you want you have to watch it go in and you're supposed to push it in fast. But I end up taking like four or five jabs and then you push the needle in and it's a fat injection. So it's not into a vein. Thank so then God. you. Then you feel, yeah, thank God. But then you feel it spread out through your stomach, this burning sensation you're going into your, your stomach. I go into, I have to. So my stomach right now has like 25 like purple dots from where I'm injecting myself. It's gnarly. I make oh. my mom, I, I make my mom do it because I can't, she has, uh, she has diabetes. So she's just like, she takes a needle, jams it in me in 10 seconds and squirts it in and I'm fine. But it takes me like forever to do it because I get so nervous about it. Yeah, I can see why mm. you're just stabbing yourself in the stomach, right? Yeah, it's crazy. But these side effects, so this that side effect is crazy because like I went to see uh, like a like a, a ba there's a baseball team in Fredericton called the DQ Royals. Back to the DQ again. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, they're great and they're good. They're it's just like the Maritime Old Timers League. They play good baseball though. It's it's awesome. They're like in their twenties. They're going to they're they're basically they get a university scholarship from the states. And they're not good enough to make it to the minors or AAA. So they come and do like they play in the Maritimes. Great cool. baseball. So but, the, you know, I was with my buddy and we're watching the baseball game and I, I got to keep my foot up or it gets off or, or my leg gets all crazy. And finally, I was like, dude, I can't keep my feet up on these bleachers. We got to go. So I'm driving home and I, I drive by these. This family was walking and I scream pull over and I jump out and I just projectile vomit right in front of them. And they must have thought I was a drunk or a drug addict or a maniac, sure. but I was, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sick. All I could say was, I'm sorry, I'm sick. And I just projectiled everywhere. And my buddy's like, holy Jesus, man, that's wild. We're supposed to go to PEI for three days next week. So it's like, it's gnarly. But I mean, I have my, you're talking about the, some of the side effects going away. The one that I'm worried about the most right now is because my lower, my immune system's so low. I'm very open to infection. Mm -hmm. And you know where your your fingernails meet the corner of your finger? Yeah. There's a little point there. I have um, completely infected. My fingernails are all infected and my toenails are. And so it makes grabbing and touching things and texting extremely, um, extremely painful. And so I have trouble touching things. Um, and those that's nerve damage as well. So that is, they say that there's going to be some permanent nerve damage possibly is one of the side effects. But uh, so, and because I'm taking blood thinners for the blood clots, they won't stop bleeding. 
So I have bloody fingers. Like right now I have one, two, three, four, five, six of my fingers are bloody and infected. Oh my and, God. And three of my toes. And so there's nothing I can really do but wait it out. But if I touch like I, I texted wrong, like I texted a, a weird way. Yeah. And it, and it was like excruciating pain. So like I like I can't like the only thing that really helps is going to my sister's pool because it's super chlorinated. And so uh-huh. that's why I'm that's why I'm going to my sister's pool when we're done here. But uh, yeah, I have like extreme sensitivity to cold. So I can't I have to put on gloves to reach into the to the fridge or it feels like I'm getting it feels like I'm getting shocked in my hands. Um, that's a really weird one because. Uh, when I go out to eat for dinner, they always have ice cubes in the water and I'll have a sip and it'll feel like I'm, I'm getting electroshock in my mouth. Right. And so that usually goes away within two or three, two or three or four days, but that may be permanent. So there's these, there's a list of, of stuff like, um, like I'm super ashy. Like I'm, I'm, I have to moisturize like three or four times a day and I never do. And if I don't, I, I went like three days without moisturizing and I get windburn on my face like if I was skiing. Yeah. Like, and so I get little cuts on my face and stuff. And uh, and then I get mouth sores, which was really bad. I had I couldn't eat anything for a, for a week except for pudding or uh, I or uh, I ate a lot of pudding and uh, pudding or boost because anything my mouth is super sensitive. Even right now, like uh, any sort of spice, like I got butter chicken for dinner a couple of nights ago, some friends, and I had to get zero spice, which usually I'm like, spice me, baby. Mm-hmm. So it's really weird. The side effects are strange. They come and go. I haven't had mouth source. I've only had them for a week and then they went away. But it's like they come and go, man. And I never know what's going to happen. So that's like the blood clots were very serious. It's just a strange thing is just like, I don't know what's going to happen. It's like a, it's like a laundry list of these things. Like I knew a little bit about chemo and I know a little bit about, you know, just the general thing. Um, You know, Lauren's stepdad died of cancer and Mm -hmm. I saw sort of that, but I didn't know all these like details, which is so interesting. Um, And I'm glad you're open to sharing it because it's very uh, like fascinating. And I think that, I think that, uh, just looking now i'm already late for work and you've got to go sit in the sit in the pool so i think it, if you're okay if we wrap this part up the yeah. first episode up today and then we'll get back together because we can just keep going i mean like this is all fascinating like i said and thanks for for doing it man yeah i i seriously this is part of my journey too is sharing it and i know a lot of people they think of chemo and cancer as like you know old guys like walking around in mm-hmm. uh shuffling and like around and shuffling around and i've only had a few of those days where i've been really bummed out but for the most part i'm keeping positive and 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 open and i'm ha- and i'm having fun i'm still living my life so yeah anyway um this was great shane this this was e- way easier than what i thought it was going to be and i'm and i was in a pissy mood so this is fun uh so yeah let's get together we'll do it again and we'll pick we'll kind of figure out what time frame we want to pick up next time like where we want to go in the journey yeah. but I think this is a natural progression to stop anyway. Yeah, it feels natural. And um, all right, man, we'll let you get back to your day and uh, love you. And we'll talk via text and figure out a time to talk again for the podcast. Yeah, this is great. Love you, bud. Okay. Take it easy, man. See you, man. See ya. Bye.